0: Welcome to Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. We're your hosts, Natalie Kavorik, a rancher and pharmacist from Nebraska. And Tara Vanderdeusen, a dairy farmer
1: and environmental scientist from New Mexico. And together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a variety of trending topics in the ag and food space, so you can better understand our food system and feel connected to the hands that feed us. We are back with episode 96 of Discover Ag. And today we have a very special advocacy episode that is brought to you by Propane Education and Research Council. The Propane and Education and Research Council is a nonprofit that provides leading propane safety and training programs and invest in research and development of new propane-powered technologies. PERC, as it's better known as, is operated and funded by the propane industry. PERC programs benefit a variety of markets, including transportation, agriculture, Commercial landscaping, residential, and commercial building. Visit propane.com to learn about propane, the energy for everyone. That
0: is propane.com. The link is in our show notes. Many of us use propane for our homes, on our farms, and on our ranches, but how much do we actually know about it? Well, today we're going to be setting the record straight about propane and the environment. We will be talking with Mike Newland, Director of Agriculture Business Development for the PERC. In his role, Mike promotes propane use for agriculture markets. He facilitates the adoption of propane-powered equipment, appliances, and vehicles through market development and product development to preserve. Preserve existing markets and develop new growth opportunities. Mike brings more than 20 years of experience in sales, project management, and brand development into the agriculture market to the role. Welcome to Discover Ag, Mike.
2: Hey, it's nice to meet both of you. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you today.
1: Yeah, we're excited that you're here. This is actually the second time both Natalie and I have worked with Perk. We've partnered with you guys in the past to bring education about propane to our you know social media channels. But today, we're excited to really be able to dive into more information about propane and really to do some myth busting about propane. Uh, you know. I think that both Natalie and I talked about this on our personal pages the last time we partnered about how we use propane on our farms and our ranches. And I think everyone thinks about propane as like what you use to barbecue grill. But it's so much more than that. There are so many different ways you can use propane and implement it into your you know, home and your farm and your ranch. And really, I feel like it's one of those things that we just don't know that much about.
2: I think there's going to be a lot of folks that have a lot of Uses that are be top of mind around the farm. I think we're going to find a lot of things that we do at Perk folks won't have as much knowledge about. So we're excited to be on and talk about those today.
0: Yeah, I am personally very excited. I will be the first to say I went into this episode kind of like Tara said. I mean, I we use you know propane obviously to grill, and then we use it to you know heat one of our. Uh, shops. And I started thinking about more and more of the ways we use it. We use it to heat our water tanks in the the winter. We also use it for like our branding. So the more and more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, propane is into kind of integrated into our operation. And then like Tara said, we're going to myth bust some things. And there is a lot, you guys, I am telling you, a lot. I did not know about propane, um, how it's made, its role in the environment. There are some really, really cool things we're going to talk about. So I know propane is not a sexy word and not a sexy topic, but I promise you this is an episode you're going to want to listen to in full because we are covering, uh, for me, it's like groundbreaking stuff. I have I did not know a lot of this information. So I think, Mike, to kick it off, let's do a very basic beginning of kind of what is propane? Like how is it actually made? And then maybe some of those ways that it is used that people don't naturally think of.
2: So propane primarily comes off of two different processes. It comes off of natural gas production and also oil refining. So that's that's where propane comes from. Doesn't really naturally occur, it just comes from processes. So those, those gases are captured in that, those processes, gets stored, shipped, and really is used as, as you said, most, most people's experiences are going to be at the barbecue grill with a 20-pound 20 20 pound cylinder. The cool thing about propane, and I think you're exactly right, I hope at the end of this, people who are listening have a new appreciation for what it is because it is the cleanest combustion fuel available today, in my opinion. I really believe, you know, hydrogen gets a lot of hype. Gosh, we're talking electricity for absolutely everything these days, but propane is available today and it's just as clean. It's a whole lot safer. So we can talk about all those things.
1: Yeah. So Natalie said the word myth busting, which is something I really love to do. And I think that's exactly where I want to start us off at is there is this like myth out there that we should electrify everything for decarbonization, right? So that we should be moving to a fully electric grid in order to be more carbon neutral or more, you know, environmentally friendly. Tell us why that's not true and how propane is playing into that.
2: So most of the media attention that you get and hear about electricity assumes that electricity just magically appears at the plug and they don't want to take into account how that electricity is produced and it varies by every single state. So anybody that's listening, I'd encourage you to dig more into that topic to learn more about the power generation in your state or your region. And that needs to happen for people to understand the true carbon intensity of the electric area near your home. I live in Ohio we have kind of a mix of electricity where we're at. That's that's pretty common throughout the Midwest. You see coal-fired fire, coal plants still today running, producing a lot of power. There are some nuclear power plants still operating throughout the Midwest. When you have a mix like that, you tend to run carbon intensities for the electric grid near, I'll call 150 to 200, depending on the state. If you get some hydro... Electricity power generation, so that really only happens in a few states out west in the Pacific Northwest, or some out on the um, in the New England states. Then you see some really low carbon intensity scores for the grid. So why is that important? I think it's uh, important that you understand the mix to see what the true carbon intensity score is, is of your Tesla, if you're charging a Tesla, or whatever the latest and greatest technologies uh, is that they're trying to push and uh, convert to electricity. So propane, carbon intensity of about 80, 78 to 80, depending on where it is. And there's a little bit of transportation credit, that we have to take a credit for. So that's why I say 78 to 80, depending on what where that is coming from and where it's being shipped to. So if you are in an efficient process using propane, you are most likely cleaner than the electric grid today, depending on where you are. Very few times do we get to a situation where we're at a disadvantaged versus the electric grid carbon intensity score. And I think that's very valuable for people to understand
1: that's so funny you said that because it reminds me of this meme I've seen that it's like somebody is uh, parking their electric vehicle at a gas station or at an electric station to like charge. And then in the back, there is like a picture of a generator that's a diesel generator that is being ran in order to pump electricity in order to power the electric car so that the car does not use gas or diesel. And I just feel like that it, people don't understand that when you plug in something that power has to come from somewhere it's it doesn't just poof we have electricity like it's not just a magical button that turns on and that there's so much more to it than that
2: yeah absolutely and i don't have it on my notes to talk about today but since you brought it up there's companies in the space that are using propane power generators to charge evs everywhere Uh, A lot of them are being sent to California. A lot of them are being sent to school districts who have taken government grant money for electric school buses and uh, don't have the infrastructure to charge them. So they're buying a propane-powered generator to charge those vehicles, which we love to do. And it's honestly cleaner than them plugging it into an electric grid in most cases. So why not use it? Why not do it? We love doing it. We love the press of charging Uh, electric vehicles as
0: well. That is so fascinating. I had absolutely no idea. Tara, did you?
1: A a little bit, not to this extent, but like I said, I had kind of ended up down that rabbit hole of like what actually goes into like powering things.
0: So going back to kind of what you were talking about, I have a statistic and you can let me know if I'm right or wrong. But in 2020, 60% of all electrical power generation in the US came from burning coal or natural gas. Is that true?
2: Probably is. I would, uh, if you lump coal and natural gas together, I'd be surprised if it's that low, to be honest with you. Um, But, uh, but I'd say you're in the ballpark. Absolutely.
0: That is crazy. I mean, Tara and I talk a lot about greenwashing on our podcast, but it's always in like the food label space. And I feel like that's essentially what's going on here is we're just being a little bit. Deceived or fooled, kind of as you, we've already stated about what this electric grid you know, means when we're trying to, you know, quote unquote, improve the environment.
2: Yeah. And I've even heard discussions, you know, all the renewable stuff, uh, infrastructure that's being built, whether it's solar or wind, uh, that all those projects really are doing are keeping up with the rate of growth of electric consumption in the U.S. So even all the new projects that are going on around the country Both solar and wind, we're really not gaining on the existing demand in electricity. We're really keeping up with the with the build out, if you will.
1: That actually makes a lot of sense. I would never have thought about that, but it's um, not to keep bringing it back to ag, but it's similar even in the protein space. That like people, as they continue to consume more protein, people are really worried about like alternative proteins, and sometimes Natalie and I talk about like people if you keep consuming more protein or in the same way the power you have to fill in that gap and so renewable energy can fill in that gap of we're consuming more power and it's wild when you think about the fact that we do have all of these states that are wanting to move to electric vehicles electric school buses and we don't have the infrastructure there to handle that amount of electricity
2: yeah it's it's a big concern nobody really wants to talk about it or at least uh, have the debate And uh, it's a problem. We haven't even gotten into the cost equation of the EVs, uh, especially on the school bus side of things. But you know, this is a 300 plus thousand, three to $400,000 school bus. I spent eight years on a local school board. I know how expensive they are for rural schools to invest in uh, pieces of equipment like that. And a propane bus, you could buy three propane buses for the cost of one electric uh, school bus. And probably emit less pollution when it's all said and done than if you were using the EV. So it's a challenging conversation. We love to have it, but we have to have science based conversations and uh, be able to keep that on a scientific level rather than an emotional level.
1: You just said the word I wanted to hear you say which is propane produces 52%. This is a stat I have from you guys. Propane produces 52% fewer greenhouse gas emissions than the equivalent amount of electricity generated in the US grid. That's incredible. That's something that like is worth noting, talking about. I mean, we're always talking about emissions and here we have a product that like does not emit as much.
2: Yeah, we get um, unfortunately we get we get down in the weeds. We get into an emotional discussion, and if we can have the scientific discussion, we're in a great place. We love having that conversation.
0: So I think this is actually going to be our myth busting. <laughs> Moving on to two, but I'm going to ask a question because I'm curious why propane isn't more talked about. Then why is this not an option that's higher up? If you know we're learning all these really great things about it, why is everyone pushing for? You know the EVs from the plug. Like, why isn't propane part of the conversation more?
2: You know, I think I think we get lumped in with the fossil fuel conversation. Uh, as I mentioned before, we come out of processing those types of products, so natural gas and uh, and oil production. So I think that's where it comes from. That's that's the downside, if you will, is we get lumped in and people won't evaluate our product based upon its chemical characteristics. And when when you do that. It's a fantastic product and one that really needs to be utilized more to be very honest with you. We've got a tremendous amount of propane from a volume standpoint that we could be using here in the US that we just don't have the demand for. We ended up shipping it overseas, which is great for those those countries and um, they get to utilize it and do what they should be doing for the environment or helping, helping in that regard. But boy, we've got an opportunity here that we could grow domestically.
0: I never even thought about Exporting propane? <laughs> Me neither.
1: We talk about I, exporting a lot on this podcast, and I've never thought about the fact we export American-made propane to other countries.
2: Yeah, how about that? We 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 export more than we use uh, in the in the U.S.
1: Wow. You know, Natalie and I love a good byproduct. As two women in cattle, we um, obviously are big fans of feeding like our livestock byproducts. And to me, I feel like that is like the unsung hero in the cattle world of like w- how much you know cattle are consuming byproducts. And propane, again, is similar to that. That like you guys are a byproduct. If we're going to be using fuel, which we are, we're not. We are not moving to a one hundred percent renewable energy grid anytime soon. It's like, why wouldn't we? utilize this byproduct that's already being produced by something else that would benefit, you know, multiple people and and in multiple ways benefit like the greenhouse gas emissions.
2: Yeah. And I think especially in agriculture, I mean, uh, you guys live it. Um, I've been in it my entire career. Uh, It's going to be the last segment, I think, to electrify or or where it makes the least amount of sense to electrify. We're a very intense, uh, horsepower intense industry. And gosh, the duty cycle just doesn't allow for EVs to penetrate this market very easily. So I think we've got some opportunities. Uh, we have great conversations with a lot of cool companies. Um, we do that on a daily, weekly basis. That's what we do in the business development at to Perk. So we, we have some cool things uh, happening, and I don't know if we'll get to those today, but we can a little later if you guys choose to.
0: Well let's just let's just talk about it right now and then we can move into the, the fossil fuel myth busting. But I read that you guys have a propane-powered flame weeding, which is big in organic farming because of the the no you know non-disturbance of the soil. So maybe you could share a little bit about that.
2: We do. Fantastic technology. Um, a couple key companies or universities, if you will, that are leading the charge. So there's a a company called Flame Engineering out of Kansas. There's uh, the University of Nebraska, Lincoln did some great work. So it's gonna sound like a very basic topic and uh, approach, but we have a toolbar type system with open flame torches on the back. And you're exactly correct. We flame the soil and the weeds prior to planting. you can actually use the same tool in crop early post Uh, Post-emerge. So in corn, it's kind of a two-pass prod um, program, if you will. There are some people doing soybeans. I get a little more nervous uh, with soybeans because of the growing point on a a soybean plant than a corn plant or early in its life. But those are incredibly effective. They're over 90% effective. As people continue to struggle with more and more chemical resistant weeds, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the organic folks. But I think every season that we're seeing the growth of chemical resistance, I think it could be a bigger play for the traditional chemistry guys as well. So that's a product we continue to promote. We continue to innovate with it. We continue to look at ways to make it better. If folks are interested, there's obviously a lot of videos on the internet that you can go to and take a look at what we're talking about. Um, But uh, really good technology, very safe. Uh, It does look a little aggressive when you see it in person or on the internet. Um, But just folks need to know that there's a lot of safety and and, uh, redundancy systems built into those tools.
0: I'm going to have my husband out you know, flaming weeds out at pasture and he has you to thank now, Mike. That is how we actually weed
1: um, some different patches around our farm around the dairy is with propane flames. Um but what you we're talking about innovation, what's funny to me is the oldest tractor on our dairy is a case tractor, Case International harvester, and it's propane powered. Like this is not new technology. It has been around a long time. And so it is still wild to me that it's. It, we haven't kind of like adopted it more since it's readily available. We know how it works. We know the tools there. And so I don't know. I'm like, I'm super excited about propane now. I'm like, what else can we convert to propane on our farm?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, you, you hit on a big one that we have a lot of conversations about a perk. So the the tractors were incredibly successful back in the day. We actually funded a project a few years back with New Holland, a proof of concept that um, we actually uh, developed a T6 New Holland tractor that would run on propane. Uh, They've got a methane uh, tractor in in the marketplace today or soon to be in the marketplace today. So I think you're going to continue to see innovation, especially in that tractor space, over the next, uh, I'll call it decade to decade and a half. There's some regulations that are coming that are going to really make it difficult on diesel engines and emissions for diesel engines. Uh, like I said, 2028 is really the big next big step, if you will, on emissions. So we're having great conversations with a lot of uh, tractor companies We'll see where that tech those conversations go, but uh, we think propane is a better fuel than the methane version that's out there in the marketplace today. It's a cleaner cleaner fuel. It's an easier way to uh, easier pro- product to deliver to handle those types of things.
0: So I think that actually us up really well to jump into our myth number two, which you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, this tie to the fossil fuel, that propane is a dirty fossil fuel. Let's myth bust that propane is not good for the environment.
2: Well, I think, I think we've crossed this bridge as an industry, but, but quite honestly, depending on who's listening, we, we need to cross it again. So first of all, the government has already acknowledged that propane is an environmentally clean fuel which is awesome. That happened back in like 1992. So it's old news within our government. If you would think through the farm, all the fuels and energies that you've got, all of them require containment, secondary containment or double walls, wall tanks, except one fuel, and that's propane. And that's because if there's a Leak or anything like that. It's non-toxic to the soil. It's non-toxic to the air. And when you look at it, when you look at us versus, uh, I think the easiest comparison for folks to understand is uh, natural gas. So natural gas and propane, both incredibly clean fuels, but I think there is a key and significant difference between the two, and that's methane. Natural gas has methane, propane does not. So, I mean, Methane is is the thing that, gosh, you guys, especially in the livestock industry, get beat up on all the time. Methane is produced when you burn natural gas. So uh, we feel very fortunate. It's just a chemical function that we win that battle, to be very honest with you. But it's, I think, a much cleaner fuel. And as I mentioned before, we don't have containment issues. We don't have to worry about that. We've got some really cool farm setups right next to the Everglades in Florida, which is one of the most environmentally regulated uh, wetlands in our nation. So we feel very, very strong about our standing with the environment.
0: You mentioned this, but I want to just further drive it home the way it can benefit the environment because of how it is. So it is stored as a liquid but we're released into the air, propane is going to vaporize. And so you mentioned that you don't have to deal with like the contamination of groundwater. It wouldn't have anything to do with drinking water, Um, the ecosystems you just kind of talked about, like all those sensitive habitats, propane is not going to affect. And I think that is something people can really, so I wanted to highlight it because you can easily grasp onto that when you compare that to how maybe some other things would not be the case for them.
2: Absolutely, And, and that process happens in a lot of the applications that people are using today, and they really don't even think about it. So if you have a forklift on the farm, um, that's a liquid system. Uh, your gas grill is a liquid in the cylinder, in the 20 pound cylinder underneath your gas grill, but it vaporizes before it hits your burner. So it's the exact same process that we're ha- that everybody using a gas grill is exposed to. Nobody just thinks about how it works or why it works the way that it does. So. Uh, you're exactly correct. That does vapor off. And um, that's the reason we don't have containment, secondary containment requirements. We don't have double double wall tanks. It's an incredibly safe, incredibly environmentally friendly fuel.
0: And that would be the same thing then for like the ozone, the environment, right? Because it's going to vaporize. You don't see those same effects, you know, like the with greenhouse gas emissions. It's going to be different.
2: Exactly. And, and, and I mentioned before, we have no methane. So we have carbon and, and hydrogen. So that's, that's the only molecules in propane. So very clean burning. And, but if we do have a release, we have no issue at all with it. We never want to do that. All of our propane delivery folks and technicians across the country are well trained. They're very environmentally friendly. We don't want to do those things. But when we do have a situation where we do have a little bit of gas escape, it's a non-issue. So
1: you mentioned that this has been like, recognized by the government. Does that I would imagine that helps you then with these things, these conversations around, you know, fossil fuels versus renewable gases or renewable fuels, um, that it kind of puts you on the right side of the conversation, I guess, so to speak that that you're recognized as that? Or is there still some major challenges that you face?
2: I would say it depends on who you're talking to within within our government, or um, maybe maybe go a, bit a step further. What state you're in? There's some incredibly hard states for anyone to do business as is a, a fuel, and uh, but yeah, I, I think it does help in that regard that we've always got a um, an energy policy to, to point back to when things weren't as political, and I think it gives us a good base to work from, to be honest with you, whenever we have a conversation with somebody in that space.
0: What a positive answer, Mike. I feel like I (laughs) am so negative. Like when Tara asked that, I kept thinking like, oh, yeah, because that really helps our case in the ag industry when we have, (laughs) you know, science on our side.
2: I'm trying to find the positives and I have been through training. So that's a great answer. That's the best I can do. Let's put it that way.
1: You did fantastic. I guess that kind of leads me to my third myth, which I think we've touched on, but the myth is propane is not a renewable energy. What would you have to say to people that say that?
2: Well, stay tuned. Uh, actually, we do have renewable propane right now. So, and, and everybody, when they first hear that says, how is that possible that you have renewable propane? Well, think about industries today. There are, there are plants and refineries making renewable diesel and renewable sustainable aviation fuel or it's called SAF. Those are processes. So anytime there's a process, there's propane that comes off of those processes. So the processes that are using for diesel, uh, fats, oil, and greases, those are renewable products. So any propane that comes off of that renewable processing is a renewable propane. So what does that mean? Molecularly, those two products, renewable propane and propane, look identical. So it's truly a drop- in fuel. You could put it through your grain dryer. you could put it near to heat your livestock building. I mean, it's it's exactly the same molecule, but it came from a new renewable process, and it has a different carbon intensity score. So when we talked earlier that traditional propane is seventy eight to eighty, renewable propane depending on the source and the refinery that it comes from can be as low as 35 to 40. So um, and then there's some additives down the road that we think we can even lower that further and maybe some different feedstocks and processes to get that number from 40 even closer to zero. So I think in the future, to be very honest with you, I think in the future, you're going to have a propane, renewable propane, or a blend of renewable propane with another product that's going to hit zero carbon intensity. Then we'll really find out whether folks um, are very interested in in finding carbon zero fuels or whether they just don't want fuels around.
0: Interesting. Interesting. At the very beginning of this episode, when I said, stay tuned, because there is things I had absolutely no idea about, this was one. I had no clue about renewable propane. I find it so fascinating. And like you said, I think what really piqued my interest is how it's interchangeable with the conventional propane. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think off my top of my head right here, but I feel like that's pretty not normal, right? For the... Renewables be as interchangeable with the conventional like that? Yeah,
2: I think so. So in so in especially in the ag space, everybody I think the easiest one to compare to is uh, you know biodiesel, and that's that's a different type of fuel. I mean, it acts a little different. It's a blend. This this is the exact same thing. So I would agree with you, and I think it's something most folks don't know that's out there. It's an interesting concept. The anti-fuel folks would say that it's not a renewable fuel, which I would vehemently disagree with, that it is a renewable fuel because it's coming from a renewable source. So it's it's a challenge. Uh, you don't want to read Twitter. Let's put it that way. Don't, <laughs> don't go into these conversations. Twitter's an evil place. It's not for the faint of heart.
1: Funny you would say that, Mike. We've had similar experience on Twitter. <laughs> I love Twitter. I guess I'm not the faint of heart. (laughs) So that actually kind of leads me, I think, to maybe one of my final points. What's in store for the future of propane? Like, where do you see the industry going? Where do you see the technology going? And and maybe on that, where do you want or hope to see it going?
2: I think it's going to become a near carbon zero fuel through renewable propane. And I think that's an exciting thing for our industry. I think it really puts us in a really cool place. The fact that we've got an incredibly clean burning fuel that will be renewable, but also that we can be in that carbon zero conversation. What I think it does lead to from a development standpoint, that's the group that I work with is a business development. So we've got an engine project with Cummins, a name that most everybody in ag, everybody in ag will know. Um, You know, I think it allows us then if we're in a carbon zero situation or near carbon zero situation to have the conversations with equipment companies again that are looking to have a high power density fuel that's also clean. I think it gives us a great conversation and a great opportunity for those conversations to really show that we can come close to carbon zero today and in the future I think we can with a fuel that will do the work that the American agriculture sector needs. And I think that's what excites me every day with the work that I get to do for PERC. We get to have those conversations with industry leading companies and equipment companies and show them and explain what our vision is on our fuel and why we think it makes sense for them to partner with us to help them reach their sustainability goals.
0: I think that's what's been so cool about this conversation is sometimes when you're in your own industry, you focus on what your industry is doing to be, you know, carbon neutral and all the things, the steps you're taking, the advances you're making. You know, Tara's big into what the dairy industry is doing. You know, I love to talk about what the beef industry is doing, and it's been so fun to bring in like an industry ally to us that is doing the exact same thing and see that, you know, we're all really working forward. We're all trying to make this progress together. And honestly, that's how we're going to meet these goals. You know, when you guys become, you know, carbon zero neutral, did you, which way was it? Carbon neutral?
2: Uh, let's use carbon neutral. I think I said carbon zero. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, it makes it easier for us. Right, you know, if we're implementing and using you guys, and you guys are carbon neutral, it's going to be easier for our our industries too. And you've truly opened my eyes and changed a lot of my thoughts about the propane industry, and changed a lot of um, my thoughts about the propane industry. You, as well as Perk, all the everything that Perk is doing for the propane industry. So this has been very enlightening. Thank you so much, Mike.
2: I appreciate it, guys. It's been fantastic. Um, I think you're exactly right. Everybody in ag is working to better the entire industry. We're just doing it and coming at it from different ways. And this is one opportunity for us to be in the power space, if you will, with equipment manufacturers and try to better and improve those opportunities as well.
1: I feel like you both took kind of the words out of my mouth that I was thinking that we, we've we all just set these really ambitious goals. And sometimes you think to yourself, like, how will we ever get there? And today's conversation has made me realize we're not going to get there alone. It's going to be through partnerships. Like, how can we bring all of this together and then just kind of like work together to get there? And um, I feel like there's like a lot of really promising and exciting things happening.
2: I think there are. We're excited to be in the space that we're in right now. And I think we've got a great opportunity going forward. I think you're exactly right. I think there's a lot of collaborating to be done. And um, we've got some opportunities, got challenges, but I think we've got a lot of opportunities too.
0: All right. That's all we have for you guys today. Thank you again, Mike, so much for joining us. And a special thank you to Propane Education Research Council or PERC for sponsoring this episode. PERC is a nonprofit that provides leading propane safety and training programs and invests in research and development of new propane power technologies. You can visit propane.com to learn about propane, the energy for everyone. That is propane.com. The link is in our show notes and we will see you guys next week. I'm not the one